No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Michael Hellickson here with Club Wealth. I'm so excited. We are on Club Wealth TV today, and we've got our very special guest, Miss Heidi Heinz. And let me tell you something, Heidi is no freaking joke. This is a woman who last year with her team did 177 units for $42 million in volume or $1.2 million in gross commission income. She's been around a while in Charlotte, North Carolina, knows what she's doing and has awesome retention on her team. So we're going to be talking today on Club Wealth TV with Heidi. Uh, of course, you guys know my co-host, Brian Curtis. Uh, Brian is a freaking rock star in, uh, in Bentonville, Arkansas, uh, which uh, I love teasing him about Bentonville, but I'll, to, I'll spare him the, uh, the, the antics today. No? Why, why, why be different? <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I always joke around. I always say he doesn't think it's very funny, but I've, I used to call him the king of real estate because it's Bentonville, man. I mean, they're not like million dollar homes there, right? So I, I just thought he had a list. I didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So Brian literally is doing, uh, he did over 330 transactions last year in Bentonville, Arkansas. That's a lot of transactions. Uh, what's really cool is Brian's essentially out of production, right? So he can choose whether or not he goes on a point or not. And that's, that's saying some, it's pretty cool. Uh, and he's now starting expansion teams all over, uh, through club health expansion services. He's just, Brian's awesome. So Brian, thank you for being here with us as well. Uh, and by the way, I see we've got, uh, I'm watching the Facebook feed right now. I see we got Jeff Russell, we got Dorothy, shout out to Rachel Hope, coach Amy Izzo is watching. Uh, so super stoked to have you guys on and watching. Thank you for being here. Uh, for those of you that don't, don't know already, my name is Michael Hellickson. I'm one of the coaches here at club wealth and, uh, Club Wealth, of course, as you know, is a coaching company. Uh, we're not here today to sell you coaching. We're here today to bring you massive value. Uh, but so that you know, we do coach. Uh, we're actually the number one coaching company in the team space in real estate, uh, which is pretty exciting. Uh, and uh, we're actually about five times bigger than our next uh, closest uh, competitor, if you will. I don't know how to, if I'd even call them that. But uh, very excited about all the growth that we're seeing with everybody in Club Wealth. Melissa Forsyth just joined us. Welcome, Melissa. Uh, now, for those of you that have questions, uh, you can type them directly into the Facebook feed where you're watching this. I'm following the feed on our Club Wealth page. Our, our you know, It's Michael Hellickson's Club Wealth Coaching and Consulting page. I will also follow this conversation in the group and we'll answer questions and we'll ask your questions live uh, of Heidi and of Brian as we go. Last thing I want to say before we get started uh, is shout out to our sponsor, Wise Hire, which is uh, one of the companies that we use a lot and we've had a lot of clients in Club Wealth that are having great success with them. Uh, mm -hmm. They help us out with running ads and recruiting and putting three people through the DISC profile uh, so we can kind of assess where they are from a personality standpoint and how they'll fit into our teams. Uh, so that being said, with no further ado, I want to shout out uh, to Heidi and I want to welcome you to for your first Club Wealth TV. How are you? Good morning. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank we're, you. We're stoked too. So tell us about your team real quick. So you've got a big team and well, I should say, I'm not going to say big. You've got a team in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. How many people are on your team and what is it you think is, is special about your team? 
Well, I have, uh, including myself, we're five agents. And I think the special thing about my team is that I have team members that have been with me uh, almost 20 years, 16 years. I had a closing coordinator. She was with me 17 years. She's been gone for about a year, but she just called me back this morning. She was bored. So uh, I think people come to my team and they stay. I've had people stay three, four years. They leave, they go off on their own. But um, I think it's special because we're a family here. We really, we do things a little bit different. Okay. So all in all, how many people on the team, all total? Uh, with admin and everything? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, uh, nine. Okay. So you got nine people on your team. I'm just taking notes, by the way. Right. As you guys can see, I'm writing down notes uh, so, so I can come back to some of this stuff. So nine people on your team. You know, one our, really our topic today, for those of you that don't know, our topic today is team retention and how to create a dynamic culture of winners that love the team and stay long term. And let me tell you, turnover is expensive. First of all, recruiting is hard, right? Getting the right people on your team is hard. And then keeping the right team on your people on your team is even harder. And so I want to start for, with both you and with Brian on, talk to us about recruiting. How are you finding the people that are now on your team, whether it be admin or real estate agents? Well, the agents that I have on my team, uh, one of them I recruited from an on-site sales office. He worked for new construction. And this was uh, years ago. And I knew that he is, uh, you know, he's gone through rigorous training with the builder and so I recruited him away. I put it to him like, you know, you're sitting in that model home. You can only sell one product. Come to work with me and you can sell all the products. You know, you go every neighborhood. It doesn't matter who the builder is. And then all the support and everything that I offered him and taught him about general brokerage. So that was the first one. And so other agents that I've gotten, it's been through word of mouth or like I have one of my lenders I recruited to be an agent. Um, and then my admin people, it's through word of mouth. Um, you know, just, or if I'm on a, on a deal and I have somebody else on the other side, that's good. I ask them, are you happy? Do you like where you're at? You want to make a change? You know? Okay. So Brian, you do the same thing. This is one of the things. And, 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 and I know there's people watching this right now that are kind of freaking out saying, well, I got to work really hard to recruit people to my team. And I hear Brian all the time. He's like, well, recruiting's easy, man. I just say, okay. And a bunch of people show up and want to be on my team. So Brian, I need you to talk to that for a minute too. Well, and, and here's the thing, like, and by the way, Heidi has a great culture in it, and I'm like, I'm going to hopefully dig into some of that a little bit as we go into this call. But, you know, it's interesting when you bring tons of value, people want to be around you. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people recruit the wrong people, even if those people are good real estate agents. And what I mean by that is I see a lot of people bring people on their team who don't fit in their culture. They bring people on their team who they don't want to show up for the meetings. You know, we had, we've had on our team that did that. They they don't want to show up for the meetings. And every time you bring up an idea, they're like, well, no, that, that, that doesn't work for me. Well, great. So maybe you need to leave our team. But nowadays we try and cut, you know, try and get that on the front end. And really what happens is, is our agents are recruiting for us now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have a great, experience working with our transaction coordinator and one of our listing agents or one of our buyer's agents. And we start to have that conversation. And I love that Heidi said that she goes after the people she has good deals with, because here's the thing, you do a real estate transaction with somebody, you get a pretty good feel for how they are as a person, because it gets stressful. There's problems and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, and I feel like when we provide them ultimate 
service back. And here's something that, you know, and you and I have talked about this before, Michael, um, I'll, I'll call you out. You said maybe one of the things that you would go back and do is be nicer to other agents. Oh, absolutely. And, and I feel like that's one of the things that we're doing. And I feel that like Heidi does the same thing. And, you know, I have conversations with my agents all the time. You don't want to hear the conversation after I hang up the phone because it's always not nice. But on the phone, <laughs> those are really nice conversations. And, you know, it's funny. We have to sell to every single person we talk to, whether that's a lender, whether that's a title company, whether that's another agent they're doing a transaction with. It's constantly, and what is selling to me? Selling is creating great communication between two people so we can both get to our, our end goal. And that's what I look at it as. And, you know, we do that. People are like, man, it's just great to do a transaction with you. You didn't hear me curse 17 times after I hung up the phone. But, you know, they don't feel that. And I feel like that's one of the things that really allows us to get people. They're like, you know, what? I like your culture. I like being around you. And, you know, that helps. And, you know, people like being around people they're like. So that's that's for us where we're at. <laughs> You know, one thing I, I, I started doing because Brian is my coach, I uh, came up with a campaign and um, I got the production of agents in my area and I did a campaign. It was a drip campaign with emails and text messages and um, it goes on for about nine days and they start responding to me. You know, I'm telling them a little bit about my team. Would they like to, you know, have a conversation? So I meet with a lot of agents, but I don't hire all of them. And it's funny because a lot of them say to me, okay, well, I'll let you know. And I'm thinking, let me know what I didn't even ask you. you know? <laughs> um, so, but it takes a lot because I want to find the right person because my team has been together for, for about 20 years. And so when someone comes here, their family, they have to almost be accepted. They yep. have to show that they're serious about what they're doing, that this is a career and not, you know, a gig because my team is kind of territorial. But would you mind talking about some of the questions that you ask people? Because I think, you know, everyone, oh, you want to make this amount of money. You want to do this. You want to do it. But what are the questions that you're asking those people to see how they fit well, in? I mean, I want to know about them, not just about their business, because really I'm going after agents that do less than eight transactions a year. Okay. That's who I'm kind of targeting. Um, I'm asking them, you know, how much money do they want or need to make? Not, you know, I don't want to hear you need $100,000. What, what do you need to live off of? Let's see if it's even realistic. Um, I ask them what they do for fun because I want to know, you know, do we have something in common? And um, I mean, my team is a little bit crazy. You know, I ask them, are you okay with colorful language every now and then? Because if they're offended, they might not want to be around because sometimes <laughs> you hang up the phone and you just, you know, you vent a little bit. That's reality. So I ask them about if they're a team player, you know, do they have experience with any sports or any kind of other teams? And I want to know what they think they can do for me. Yeah, to, I love the, I love the, are you okay with swearing thing? It's like the, it's like, that's. I didn't that's, say swearing. I said colorful language. Oh, it's like colorful <laughs> language. Okay. So I think you must've taken that directly out of the Gary V playbook. I don't know. I'm sure he does that when he interviews people. <laughs> or at least he should, you know, but it's interesting because the reality is your culture is going to be different than Brian's and it's going to be different than my culture in, in our office. Right. Um, and, and you're absolutely right about that. Like at my office, we're not okay with colorful language. Like, you know, uh -huh. if you're 
cursing in my office, you're, you're hitting the brakes, pal. Like that's not mm-hmm. how we roll. And, and that, mm-hmm. not to say that that's the right way to do it or the, or the wrong way to do it. It's just different. Right. And that's okay. And it's funny. We were just having this culture conversation with, I was having this conversation with Natasha today, one of the, the f- folks on our team. Uh, and we were talking about how culture isn't something that, that the team leader gets to necessarily define or enforce or create or whatever. Culture happens as a result. It's the, it's the cumulative result of the people that you have on your team, right? So it's, it's all of these personalities together into this pot, and that becomes your culture. So you got to be really mm-hmm. protective about who those personalities are, and are they going to fit the team, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, we just, had, we just had somebody leave our team. And I tell you what, we're scratching our head. We're like, what, why, why did she leave? I don't think it was money. But I'll tell you what I do think it is. I think that she just wasn't in culture with us. Um, you know, I think, and, and, and it seemed like she was on the surface, but I think deep down, I think that that was her trying to be in culture and realizing that maybe she's not, right? Well, Michael, I think that your culture is something that, um, you know, you don't start your team and go, okay, this is going to be my culture. I think it's something that is a reflection on the person because when I started my team, I didn't really know even how I was going to be in business or with a team or what I was going to expect from them. But as it began to grow, um, it just became kind of naturally. Like I always addressed the elephant in the room. Um, everybody learned to trust each other. You know, there were no secrets. And, and I just made sure that people felt good. You know, I didn't want people not to want to come to work. Yeah. That's that, yeah. Don't give them a reason not to come to work. That's a good one. I like that. So Dorothy mentions, I'm, I'm reading through uh, some of the comments in the Facebook feed here. Uh, Dorothy Pastorelli, by the way, thank you for watching and joining us today. Um, says always build solid relationships with other agents. It's important in deals as well as prospective team members. And you're right. You know, you never know who the prospective team members are going to be today. They might not be, but five years from now, they might be right. They'll never burn a bridge. That's, well, and that's right. Cause not even if they, go ahead. I I owned my own brokerage for a while. And when I did, I hired my old broker in charge to come as an agent. And do you know something? I apologized to her when I hired her. I said, I apologize to you for the way I behaved when my ego was so big and all you had to put up with. I didn't know that until I was recruiting agents to my firm. I'd sit there and listen to them talk about how great they were and what they wanted. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. And so I really apologized to her. That's awesome. Good for you. Yeah, humility, it's it's amazing. So, you know, I've talked to lots of people in the last 45 days who were absolutely killing it six months ago and are having struggles today. Mm-hmm. And I've been through that. Michael's been through that. I'm, you know, how do you and I haven't really talked about it? You've probably been through it. And, you know, the humility is so important because yeah, when you're making money hand over fist and everything's perfect, mm-hmm. you don't need anybody else, but guess what? That's going to be well, And eventually you're going to need people. And I love the fact that you have gotten that. And I don't know what, you know, you got it before you and I started working together. So I'm not sure what point in your career you got it, but you do have that. It's you understand that, yes, you can go out and be a solo agent and do okay. And that's fine. But, Mm -hmm. you know, neither one of us are 25 anymore. And that's a lot harder than it was. You know, we're 25 years old and I could go 150 hours a week and it was no big deal. And I just 
work 17, 20 hours a day, no big deal. But, you know, we don't want that anymore. And that's not what we're going for anymore. So if we are going to create a life worth living, we have to do it with other people. And those people are really our, our keys. I've been listening to a lot of Simon Sinek lately. I don't know if anybody listens to him. But, you know, he starts with the outside in, you know, what, what are we trying to do? And, and are we focused on this result of selling houses? Or are we focused on having a great culture of a great group of people who serve our clients? And if we do that, the rest of it will take care of itself. And I kind of feel like you do that. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you another question. So, cause we're kind of on this thing, what other things are you doing for culture? Um, do you do team outings? Do you, you know, what type of things do you do for that? I do team outings. I used to, I haven't done this recently but like when everyone met their goals i took everyone on my team and their spouse on a cruise because i felt it was important to know like the husbands or the wives or whoever because the people were spending so much time at work we needed to know their families so it was fun we did that but right now i do um like i've taken them to one of those lockup rooms you know we try to get out we didn't get out and then, um, scavenger hunt we just did this and it was fun everybody came to the office they had no idea what what was going on we gave them a list we said you have to go do this but how i'm going to know you're doing this is when you get there take pictures post it on social media and uh, our office our team manager uh michaela was in the office and she was checking everything and you know and so we had a winner and but we did have a tiebreaker so um scavenger hunt dinners um i do awards within my team and i do fun things i want to recognize people i have a guy on my team he kind of struggled to get his real estate license you know he had personal issues and he had to go through a lot to to for the commission to say okay you know you can have your license he had a great year his first year and um you know he wasn't really recognized because he's within a team and so at our first team meeting in January, you know, we gave them a rookie of the year plaque and all this kind of stuff. So I, I think it's important to recognize people. And I do that with my team, even with my guy that's been here the longest, who outdoes everybody, you know, I still recognize him for things. And that's important. You know, um, Michael, you sent me that book called um, Five Dysfunctions of a Team when I started coaching. And I read that. And in the book, I could identify people on my team or people that had come and gone. But one thing that really hit home was the reason I think my team works so well is because everybody on my team trusts each other enough that if we're together and they have a problem, that somebody will, I hate the phrase, call somebody out, but they'll say what's on their mind, not feeling threatened that it's going to cause a problem. I remember around Thanksgiving time, one of my team members was so stressed out. He had company at his house and, you know, a lot was going on. And we were on a conference call, three team members. And one of the team members got upset and he hung up. And I told the other team member, I said, you know what? Give him about 20 minutes. He's going to cool off and call us back and apologize. And he did because that's how my family is. So that, that book, you know, and if, you're, if you have a team or you think about starting a team, I would definitely read that book. Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. It's a great book. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of things you just mentioned that I want to I want to key in on. Number one, I've heard you say it twice now, and it's super important. You know what I'm talking about, right, Brian? She said, on my team, we're a family, mm-hmm. right? And, and you guys, look, we spend, think about the number of hours you spend with your team versus the number of hours you spend with your actual family. 
Believe it or not, we mm-hmm. spend more hours at work than we do with our actual family. So you know what? Mm-hmm. I want to be working with people that I want to work with, right? right? I want to be around the people that I want to be around all day long. And if we're not a family, we have a problem, right? We need mm-hmm. to be a family. You need to get your team to that level where everybody feels like we're a family. We're in this together. We're helping each other out. Um, that's a big piece of it. Um, the positive conflict, that's another piece. Uh, essentially, that's what you were talking about. You were saying <coughs> that... You know, we have we have conflict. It's not all roses and peaches and cream all the time, right? And there are times we get a little bit combative. You know what? I get it. That's all right. As long as everybody understands afterwards that we're still family and that yeah. we still take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing that, and Brian, you mentioned this, and you guys, I hope everybody that's watching this is paying very close attention to this right now. The single most important word, I believe, in creating the culture that's going to see you through the tough times is humility. Mm-hmm. If you aren't humble, if you and, and this is it's easy, people and we when we have success, it's it's human nature to get a big head, right? It's human nature to get kind of puffed up and you know, look how great I am and my team and my this and yada. Look, it ain't your team, pal. I got news for you. It's mm-hmm. the team. Without them, you're nothing. That's exactly right. And and you guys, I know you two get that. And I know like we've got Sandy and David Seitz are watching right now. And, and Sandy says, by the way, that she has a little colorful language occasionally as well. And uh, shout out to Coach David and Sandy. <laughs> Absolutely love you guys. Um, but I know that you guys are very humble and you have maintained a high level of humility as you have grown. And it's hard to do that. We have to remember who gets us here and we have to give them all the credit. Here's the way I look at it. Give them all the credit for the success, and I take all the responsibility for the failures. Mm-hmm. And as we as we do that, and as we and, and and really, let's call it what it is. If we have failures on the team, it is my responsibility, right? Even if I'm not the one that caused it, 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 it's it's probably my responsibility because I didn't train properly, or I didn't hire properly, or I didn't support properly, or I didn't you know do something that I could have done to help prevent that. Now. I also have to be careful as a team leader not to take too much of that burden on my shoulders. Outwardly, I have to take that responsibility. But mentally, I have to not let that drag me down when we have failures. And so that also is a part of your culture. So what I'd like you to talk to now, because retention, I mean, let's call it, you guys agree, right? That that people don't leave your team because of money. They leave your team because of culture, right? And so talk to me about, how does this dynamic of, of responsibility and, and, and humility impact culture from the top down? Me or Brian? Either one of you. Well, I think that, you know, for years that I've told you both this, I, I was on kind of autopilot for a little bit because my team was pretty smooth. And so I just kind of relaxed a little bit. And my production went down some. I mean, it's still pretty good. And so I told my team, I said, it's because of me. I'm sorry. So this year, you know, I've hired Club Wealth. Brian's my coach again. And, um, you know, I'm reapplying myself. And so I'm starting to see changes within my team. And and so I told my team that I'm trying to do better and I'm going to do better and we're going to get back on track. And so they appreciate it that I'm not looking at them saying, how come you're not producing when it comes from the top? down you know I've got to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing everybody's got to be doing what they're doing I have to do my job 
But I love what you said because you're not saying, hey, it's all your guys' fault. And what you said is, hey, look, I went out and I got help. I got coaching, right? I went out and hired Club Buff, you know, hired Brian as my coach so that now I can be better at what I do. And let me tell you something. I really do believe that that just even that simple act of being coached shows humility, right? It says outwardly and inwardly that, hey, look, I don't have all the answers. And, and, you know, and nobody has all the answers and I'm going to go out and I'm going to seek help to get more of the answers I need to help our team succeed at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they need to see that. I, I think that's super important. All right, Brian, anything to add to that? Yeah. And so, you know, it's, I, I want to reiterate a couple things that you said is, you know, leadership. And, and again, I'm, I'm quoting Simon Sinek. I've, I, I, he's just my guy of the week. I've been listening to a lot of his <laughs> stuff, but, you know, he says it's hard because it's, it's kind of unrewarding. And, you know, I see Heidi doing that too. You know, it's not, it's funny. There are people who go out there and go, my team did $50 million last year. And I, and I, and I, and I, but you know, it's, it's weak. And I, I hear that from Heidi and I, and you know, that's one of our big culture things. We, I, I know that I can't do it all by myself. And it is about, you know, I believe in hundred percent responsibility. That's one of my personal things. You know, why did the team fail? I don't know. It's hundred percent my fault and I'm going to figure out why. Now, maybe that's because I have the wrong person on the team. Maybe that's because I didn't get lead sources. Maybe because I didn't train them enough. Maybe because I didn't motivate them enough. I don't know what it is, but I'm hundred percent sure that the only person who's responsible for that is me. That's when we fail. And when I succeed, 100% of the responsibility has to go to go to the people who are on our team. And so basically what you're saying is I get all the bad and none of the good. And that and that can be a pain. I mean, it's not always it's not always fun. And, uh, you know, so I appreciate the people out there who are being leaders and understanding that, you know, in my, another one of my favorite, would I rather be right or would I rather be rich? I'd rather be rich. You can give anybody else the accolades. Just give me the check. So, you know, and I just appreciate people who get that because, you know, the great leaders in history, it's not about them, you know, being at, getting accolades. It's about helping others get what they want. You know, Zig Ziglar, how do I get what I want? I get, I help more people get what they want. And that's, that's what being a team leader is about. And it's a thankless job at times. You know, I was telling, I had an agent on my team who had some deals fall apart and he's like, man, it just kind of kicks my butt. And I said, yeah, I understand. But also understand that, you know, when your deal falls apart, that means something to me. And by the way, the 17 other people who had deals fall out, I get all those too. And that's what happens. I mean, you know, um, one of my coaching clients just texted me, we had six deals fall out this week. And so, you know, maybe we need to work on what we're doing, why deals are falling out. But my point is, is that, you know, as the team leader, you get all of that stuff. You know, I had to call a guy who was pissed off at us earlier this week because we did something wrong. I got to call another guy because they tried to screw us out of commission. We get to come in, you know, not when it's, you know, bubble gums and lollipops. We get to come in when it's this guy screwed up or that guy screwed up. And, you know, I got to be on a phone with a guy yesterday and say, sir, I'm very sorry. And our team didn't succeed. Well, you don't need to apologize. It's 100% my fault. My team, you know. Brian, my team comes to me and says, Heidi, I need you to call somebody. And I say, what's the matter? They say, I need you to schmooze them. Yeah. And are you willing to do that? Yeah, I'm a good schmoozer. (laughs) And you know what else? Uh, I had a girl that was with me for about four years and her production was really good. And then she decided to go on her own. And when she left, she still, she stayed at my firm. And I said, if you need any help, let me know. And she said, why would you want to help me if I'm not on your team anymore? I said, because I don't want you to leave my team and not be successful. It's a reflection on me. Mm-hmm. 
Nice. I love that. So a couple of things that, that I keyed in on with what you guys were just saying. So Brian, in terms of, of giving others credit for things, I've always believed and I've heard that you can accomplish anything if you're willing to give somebody else credit for it, right? Absolutely. Um, another great quote, uh, and I believe this, I, I, I know Patton said it, but I believe that Napoleon was the first one to say it, and I could be wrong, um, but they said, it's amazing what a man will do for a piece of ribbon. And I share that because, you know, Heidi, to your point, you've got to give the accolades. You've got to give people props where props are due. And it's amazing. People will walk on hot coals for you to get a little bit of approval from mom and dad, right? From the leader of the team, for example. People will go the way the extra mile to get that appreciation because guess what? They haven't gotten it in the other areas of their life, right? They got a spouse that nags them. They got parents that were always down on them. They got everybody else in their world that all they do is negative, 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 and their criticism, criticism, criticism. And what they don't get is somebody saying, hey, great job, right? You did a great job on that. Congratulations. Um, and so it is, it's truly amazing what a person will do for a piece of ribbon. You know, they, of course, in the quote, what uh, Patton and Napoleon were talking about is, you know, people will go to war, they'll get shot at for a little piece of ribbon. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and, you know, here's another thing that I think that people don't get, you know, when you're talking about war, you know, um, is people think that people go to war and fight and do the brave, heroic things they do for their country. That's not what they do it for. They do it for the guy to the right and to the guy mm -hmm. to the left. Now, no one's going to die in real estate. That's not what we're talking about. But ultimately, I promise you, when you build that culture and you get the guy to your right and the woman to your left or whatever those things are, those people, if you get them working together and if you get them helping each other out, they will jump through hoops for each other because they're part of something. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is something I missed for years is that um, – People want to be part of something. When I was in the military, um, you're part of something. You know, I was I was a nuclear missile officer. You know, I defended the country against the Russians in nuclear war. You know, when you wake up every day and you do that for a living, it's like what you do matters and, and that you feel like it matters. I mean, you go and you do this thing that not a lot of people do and it feels like it matters. When you get in the, the real world, in the civilian world, you don't have that necessarily. But, you know, when we build these teams and we build a culture and we build, they can have that feel. you know, it's not defending the country, but it's still, it's helping people get to their goals and wants mm -hmm. and needs. And there's value in that and we can do it together. And I know that sounds all really corny and cheesy, but the truth of the matter is together we're more powerful. And when we mm -hmm. do it that way, people, it's just a better way to live. People, we are, we are social creatures. Even the most introverted of us are social creatures. Well, let's call it what it is. It's more fun to be on a team than it is to be the Lone Ranger. Who wants to have to go it alone? I want to know that I've got people on either side of me and behind me and in front of me helping me succeed in this world. I don't want to have to go and do it alone. It's just, it's, it's, it just seems so disappointing or dismal to have to go out and do it on my own. All right. Well, not only that, it's life balance because if you're out of town or you want to go on vacation, you know, you don't have to ask an agent in your office who handles their business maybe differently than you to watch your business. You have your team. That's right. That's right. And, and by the way, people think that only the team leader gets leverage. We talk about this a lot in Club Wealth. 
everybody on the team gets to leverage, right? You're, if you're a buyer's agent, you're leveraging everybody else on the team. You're leveraging the team leader as the person that's got to worry about all, you know, the money and mm-hmm. makes, you know, when they have a month where they go backwards, guess what? They're the one writing a check for it, not you. You're leveraging the administrative team members because they're getting all this stuff done for you. You're leveraging the other agents on the team because like you said, they can cover for you, all that good stuff. There's so many ways that we all get leveraged by being part of a team. And I will tell you, and, and, I'm, and people that are, that are on a team right now, if you're contemplating leaving your team, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. I can tell you that almost without exception in the last 26 years or however long I've been in, at 27, I think, actually doing this business, I can tell you that almost every single person that I've ever seen leave a team has been less successful after leaving the team than they were when they were on the team. And they've made less, they've made done, they've done fewer transactions and they've made less money net to them, less money when they left the team and they had to work harder to get there than when they were on a team. So I share that with you because this retention thing, it doesn't just benefit the team leader. It benefits every single person on the team. Change is expensive. And so, all right, <laughs> I want to get to more, some more nitty gritty here. Uh, and by the way, I, uh, Megan uh, Nelson was saying uh, that she loves you. I did a great job. She loves what you're sharing. Great info. Thank you. Uh, she's watching in the Clubwell Facebook group. Uh, that being said, I want to get some nitty gritty. So you talked about a few things like the escape rooms and the social scavenger hunts and the awards. What are some other things? And this is for this questions for both you and Brian. What are some other things that you guys either are doing or, or have considered doing to increase the, the, or to, to improve, I guess increase is not the right word, to improve the culture on your team? To improve the culture on my team, I mean, it's a daily thing. You know, I'm having to, I'm having to do better every day. And one thing that improves my culture is to, you know, to offer tools, to keep improving. And one thing that I'm really big on is, you know, because I am on a team, I don't make all the decisions myself. So if I'm going to get, let's just say, I don't know, Vulcan 7 or Mojo or whatever, I don't just go out and get it. I talk to my team. I say, what do you think about this? And sometimes they want to go on and do a demo, you know, we decide as a group. I mean, I'm paying for it, but we decide as a group. I mean, what good is it if I get something that they don't want to use? So I let them be involved in the, in the decisions. Um, and I just keep trying to enhance, you know, the, the tools that I'm giving them. Okay. Brian, how about you? Uh, and, and what I hear with that is buy-in matters. That's, that's, what, that's mm-hmm. what I hear when you say that. Because, you know... <laughs> I get accused of being a shiny object guy sometimes. And sometimes my team gets frustrated with me because we've tried every system in every different way and, and it's frustrating. So I stopped doing that. But, you know, we talk about these things now is, Hey, what if we did this? And then we have a, I have a meeting about that and see how that meeting goes and see how the people do it. Because here's the thing. I can have the greatest script. I can have the greatest system. If nobody uses it, it's, it's, cru- it's garbage. So, you know, I love the fact that, you know, I, you and I both do the same thing. It's like, hey, so I'd like to try this. How do you guys feel about it? So we're actually right now looking at, and this is from Seven Levels of Communication. So where they talk about doing big um, 
parties for the client after they buy a house. So the buyer, the buyer goes and they buy a house and you say about a week before closing, you say, Hey, Mr. Miss Buyer, I just wanted to let you know that one of the big benefits that we like to do, or one of the things that we like to do for people is throw you a party because you're buying a house and it's awesome and it's fun. Mm -hmm. And now we're not going to have it the day of closing because my guess is you're going to be a little bit busy on the day of closing. But why don't you do this for me and start putting this list together and I'll ask you for it again. But get me 20 people who you'd like to invite over to your house so that those people can come and actually, you know, see your new house and do that. And just think, I'll do the work. I know that you're busy. I know that you're moving. It's one of the five most stressful things that people do. So I'll call them. I'll email them. I'll mail them. I'll, I'll take care of it all for you. We'll bring the food. Here's the thing. I'll spend 15 minutes there. It's not like I'm going to spend, I'm not going to spend three hours there trying to, you know, talk to you, all your friends. I'm going to spend 15 minutes there. I'm going to bring the food. I'm going to shake some hands and I'm going to get the heck out of your way. So, you know, what's that going to cost me? A couple hundred bucks. And then I say at closing. You know, you can ask for referrals at closing, and that does work, by the way. You know, if you're going to ask for referrals, always ask for them at good times, right after the appraisal got approved, right after the home inspection got cleaned up, right at closing. Great time to ask for referrals. But, hey, do you have the list of those people that you're going to send to your party that you want me to invite to your party? You know, that's a great list. Here's the thing. If you call 20 people and invite them to that party, you've just met 20 people. Mm-hmm. And guess what? If they work with you, they, they're smart enough to figure out, hey, I get the same deal. So, you know, realistically, I heard Mike Cuevas says this, if a person knows probably five to 10 people who are moving every single year. So, you know, there's an opportunity to do something like that, that really is a free, you know, it costs a couple hundred bucks. You know, you go buy barbecue for people and, it, and it's a good time. So those are the types of things that I feel like can take it to the next level right now, because you know, it's hard to get leads right now, especially on the sell side. The buy side's not hard, but it's hard. You know, I get inventory shortage. So, hey, bring people over and, you know, maybe someone want to sell a house. Well, and that definitely helps team culture too, right? Because now you've got your team members show up. They get to experience that. They're happy. They're excited. And they become a part of, again, something bigger than them. So here's, right. here's what I'm curious. How many of you that are watching right now would love to have a list of all the different things that you can do for your team in terms of, you know, and for individual team members or for the team as a whole to improve culture and to kind of, you know, give them an attaboy. If you're interested in a list like that, type in the list in your, in your Facebook feed right now so that, uh, that we can see if that's something that we should be doing. Uh, and that's Heidi. We're hearing your phone there. Uh, Andrew Petrovoter's like, yes, sir, I want it. Okay, so only one of you wants the list, so we're going to pass on the list. So I'm just kidding. If you guys want the list, I see we got a whole bunch of people watching right now. By the way, Mike Cuevas just joined us. Uh, shout out to Mr. Cuevas and a tr- the, the, the king of a track door. Um, I want to speak to like about administrative people also because, you know, it's not just the team members. I mean, we need these admin people that um, – because without them, I mean, I'd be here to—I'd be here all night. But I used to have a girl work for me about eight years in my office. She was my assistant, and sometimes I would come into the office and I'd say, "Come on, we're going to go. We got to go look at paper or something." And we'd leave, and I'd take her to lunch. We'd get our nails done. She said, "I thought we we're going to look at paper." I said, "That's just what we told them. Don't tell anybody." You know, I take her to the movies. You know, all that kind of stuff, and this makes people feel special. 
Of course, it, I, I'd feel special too if you took me to go get my nails done. <laughs> but seriously, that's awesome. And you guys, but and, and Amy mentions, yeah, Coach Amy Izzo is watching, and she mentions. She says administrators are so important mm-hmm. and often go unrecognized and or underappreciated. And, and Coach Amy, you are so right about that. Uh, you guys, do me a favor. It, those of you that have some ideas that we could add to this list that we're going to get, those of you that have typed in, you want the list. Um, those of you that have some ideas, just type your ideas in right now. What are some things that you can do to, for an employee or for a team member to say, hey, I care about you and you know, I want you to feel appreciated and I want you to know that, that we do truly appreciate what you do. And while you're typing those ideas in, <coughs> Brian and Heidi, we talk a lot about the difference between management and leadership. And I want you guys to speak to this because I'm super passionate about this. And if there's one thing that frustrates me, it's team leaders that, that have the attitude of, hey, look, you work for me. Therefore, you're going to do what I tell you to do. That, and, and they treat their team members like employees, right? So talk about that. How do you avoid doing that? Do you, how do you, you know, do you talk when you, when you talk about your team members, do you say, and you know, this is my employee or this person works for me or what are you doing to avoid management versus leadership? And, and what does it mean to you? Well, I say that we work together. I don't say that they work for me and they're not an employee. They're an independent contractor. So I got to be careful with that, but I do talk to them about us working together and um, if there's something that needs to be addressed, I usually do a one-on-one and, um, you know, in a nice way, diplomatically, because I don't want them, I mean, I don't want them to quit. They're my family. I don't want them to leave me. And um, they're not children, but I know everybody's personality on my team and I know how they need to be spoken to. That's, that's huge. You have to know them. I think that's very important. I kind of make a joke that there's there's a couple people on my team who I could say, you suck. You are horrible. Why haven't you done what you're supposed to do? And they'll go out and close three deals. Right. And I say that to the next person and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're fetal. Crying in the corner. <laughs> so understand your audience is what I heard you say there. I think it's really important that. So, you know, the other thing about leadership and you hear a lot about this. If you don't do this, I'm going to do this. Or if you do this, I'm going to do this. If that, if that, that's not leadership, that's management. And mm-hmm. what that is, is really just the problem with management more than anything else is management creates zero leverage. If, if I've got to literally log in every single day and look at every activity that you're doing and when you're doing it, why you're doing it, how you're doing it, I must do it myself. And that's an exaggeration, but the reality is you have to get to the why someone wants to do something. So when someone's on my team and they haven't closed transactions, I'm, we sit with them and go, hey, Bob, you know, I don't know anybody named Bob on my team, but I go, hey, Bob, so, you know, you were going to, you know, you, you, we agreed you'd close a couple transactions a month and you had these goals and you were going to go on vacation and you were going to do all these things. So, you know, last couple couple months, you haven't gotten there. What can I do to help? What kind of problems do you have? Mm-hmm. What kind of things are going on? You know, and this hasn't specifically happened to me, but can you imagine you just hammering on somebody and you find out that their their wife just left them? You know, and that doesn't mean they're a bad agent. It means they had a really bad month. So, you know, when we come from the assumption that the people didn't do something because they're lazy or stupid, that's what I see a lot of managers do. And, you know, the other thing I would say is realistically, you can lead about five, maybe 10 people at a time. 
you can manage more than that, but you can't lead more than that. And because leadership takes getting to know people, leadership takes caring about people, leadership mm-hmm. takes empathy, you know, the empathy that, you know, remember one time that you screwed up? I remember when I screwed up about every day, but you know, those are things that have become real important. So, you know, create some leverage around other people on your team who can also be leaders. You know, mm-hmm. there are people who could go out and sell 25 houses for the next 25 years and be thrilled. Mm-hmm. And those people we want on our teams. There are other people who are leaders and we need to, to get them to be fulfilled. We have to give them some of that responsibility, some of those opportunities. So understand, you know, those people and talk to them. And, you know, this, this is not a one-off thing. When I was very young, I had my own real estate company. I said, what I want is just to hire some people and give them a good split and never talk to them. (laughs) And that's what I wanted. It sounded like a great deal to me. You know, I'll give you a good split. You go make money and I'll never have to talk to you. Well, that model doesn't work in case anyone wants to try it or it doesn't work because you won't find good people. And if you do, they won't stay with you because they don't, they don't think you care about them. You know, because they're right. On the team, it's not all about the money. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you know, it's okay. So, and by the way, Brian, I 100 percent agree. Uh, what, you know, again, this this circles back to things like that roundtable approach, right? We always tell people like at Club Wealth, it's not you know, as a coaching company, we're not this dictatorship, right? It's not about one person's ideas. It's more like the Knights of the Roundtable. You got all these really smart people contributing their best stuff to help make it stronger and to help everybody else in the family, in the group, right? And you got to treat your teams in the same way. If it's all about you, then guess what? Nobody feels fulfilled. Nobody wants to be a part of you. They want to be part of something bigger than you, bigger than any one of us. Uh, And so you've got to give them that. Now, Brian, you made a very good point. When I have great people, when I have leaders, and I want leaders, I want people on the team that are better than me. I want people on the team that are smarter than me, that are more aggressive than me, that are better at me, and all kinds of stuff. Those kind of people want bigger opportunity. So part of our job, part of the the key for us as leaders is we have to open up more opportunity for the people on our team. Then they'll stay, right? If I'm expanding their circle of opportunity all the time, there's no reason for them to leave. But if their circle of opportunity is crimped down and all they get to do is this one thing for the rest of their life, some people might want to be a buyer's agent for the rest of their life and do those 25 deals. Great. We love you. We want you on our team. That being said, some people want more than that. They want opportunities to lead, to guide, to earn more, to do different things. Great. Provide those opportunities for them and they'll stay because they have a reason to stay and there's, and you've taken away the reason for them to leave. Mm-hmm. Think about this. Would I rather be a leader within my team and build a team within a team, so to speak, in, in a way that I've already got all this support and all the systems and tools and all the things around me that I know are there to help me that I already understand or would I rather go out on my own and try and create that all on my own? Dude, that sounds a lot like a steel wool enema, right? Like that doesn't sound fun at all. Like, yeah, Brian loves that analogy. Probably not my most. Uh, it's not fun, Michael. Very a little colorful. <laughs> yeah, but it's painful, right? I mean, nobody wants to do that. Um, okay, so we got a lot of questions in the feed here that I want to get to real quick. And Amy, Coach Amy asked a great question. How do I expand? And I'm going to have you guys answer this. How do I expand team member opportunity when I'm not a broker owner? I'm a team leader. Heidi? Well, go ahead, Brian. No, I thought, go ahead. Okay. Well, within my team, um, I have uh, one team member. Uh, well, not just one, but, you know, he's a great buyer's agent. 
and he really goes the extra mile. And so I kind of, well, what happened was when one day I overheard him on the telephone and he told someone he was the team's sales manager. And so then when he hung up, I looked at him, he goes, well, I didn't know what else to say. It sounded pretty good. I said, okay, well then you, you can be that. So now he trains everybody that's new that comes to the team. He goes through paperwork, he mentors them, and I pay him to do that now. So he stays with me. That's part of retention. But also people love it that they have someone that can call. I just had a guy today tell me, he goes, I had a question at 10 o'clock last night. He goes, but don't worry. You know, I called John. I was like, thank God, because I was sleeping, you know. So um, that's one way I gave someone another opportunity. Another guy on my team. He, you know, after looking at all his numbers, I saw, you're not really doing so many buyers. You're doing more listings. Let's really focus on that. So I started farming other neighborhoods for him. So I think that's important to them. And I think that gives them other opportunities. Absolutely. So I have, I have several leadership positions on my team. Um, we've got someone who we're, you know, we're kind of training to be the sales manager. I've got someone who I'm trained to be a recruiter. Um, and then we actually have leadership. Some people call them pods and squads and teams, call them whatever you want. But basically you've got somebody, I'm a brand new agent or I'm an agent who's, you know, done less than 10 transactions. The reality is you've seen very little of real estate. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I literally, you know, I don't know how many transactions, it's close to a thousand that I've been involved in, which, you know, that's not really that many compared to a lot of agents around the country. But, you know, that's a lot of exposure and I still see stuff I've never seen before. So if you've only done 10 transactions, you've got a whole bunch of stuff that you haven't right. seen. What is that? I don't know, but it's coming. So, you know, we have people who can talk to them about that. I actually have a broker on my team. You know, in Arkansas, the way our contracts work, every single contract has to be brokered. And what that means is before it's finished, you you can submit an offer without it being brokered, but the broker has to go over it and sign it. And so for a while, I was doing that. When you're doing that for 30 contracts a month and you're being and you're going on listing appointments and you know at the end of the day you run out of time so i pay somebody now to do that you know and that person's great and she loves it and it gives her an opportunity to do something else besides be a buyer's agent you know because she's also a buyer's agent on our team so you know those are opportunities that you can give people that you know makes makes them feel better and here's the thing i'm not interested in training how to write a contract but dina takes care of it for us mm-hmm. so and you know she gets paid for it and she gets benefit for it so those are things that you know really create a win-win because i don't want to do it and i give somebody else more responsibility and you know people look up to her you know dina she's a broker she knows stuff and she does and she's excellent so um you know those are the kind of things that you can help people and you know just give them opportunities. I also, on my team, if you recruit somebody, we pay you an override on their first three transactions. So you can go out and recruit people if that's something that you want to do. So there's plenty of ways to help people. And I've seen people have mentors. We don't do it on our team, but I've seen people have mentors. Okay, for the first five deals, you've got a mentor. And that person's going to get a percentage of your commission. But the truth of the matter is they earned it because let's face it, the first five transactions that you do, you don't know what the heck you're doing. So anyway, those are some ideas that, that work for us. I love that. Those are all great ideas. You know, now let's talk for a moment about I've got a rock star on my team. I've got somebody who's really killing it. And this person is totally capable of going out and starting their own team and blah, blah, blah. How do I retain that guy? Well, I'll tell you this. For, or, or, or a girl, right? Whoever it is, woman, man, doesn't matter. But how do I retain that person? I'll tell you first and foremost, you've got to expand their circle of opportunity, right? 
So I've got to give them that ability to build a team within the team. So I want to help them recruit people to the team. I want to help them retain the people that are on their part of the team. I want to help them lead those people. I want to give them all the back end support. And then I also want to, because at some point, maybe I outgrow my local market. If I'm in a small market, like a Bentonville, Arkansas, for example, right? And there's only like, you know, 40 transactions a year to be had there. I'm kidding, right? 42, 42. <laughs> 42, exactly. Isn't that the secret to life or the answer to life, the universe and everything? I'm sorry. Sure. Um, that's my inner geek coming out. That's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Anyway, that being said, um, what I what I need to do is I need to make sure that they understand that, hey, the goal is long-term. As we grow, we're going to eventually grow into other markets. And as we grow into other markets, we're going to need more levels of leadership and we're going to need more people in place because to Brian's point, I don't want to have more than five people reporting to me if I can help it. Now, there will be times I'll swell up and I'll have eight or 10 people reporting to me. But as we grow and as more leadership, as more, as more leaders present themselves, now we're going, to, we're going to put those people under those leaders. And I, again, can shrink back down to my four or five people that report to me. So it really matters, you guys. You've got to, you've got to understand that there's no cap on this, right? I don't stop at nine or 10 or 15 or 20 people on my team. I can have a thousand people people on my team in 10 years. I mean, it literally, you have to think bigger about this. And if you don't think bigger, if the, we'll put it this way, if the people on your team are thinking bigger than you, you have a problem. That's going to create a retention problem. You have to think bigger than the people on your team. You have to have a vision that's bigger than anybody can even fathom. And, if, and, and then you have to help them buy into the vision, right? But you've got to start off by having it. All right. Um, so there's some more great comments in here. I want to just jump on a couple of these. Uh, Melissa Forsyth uh, talks about now she's doing an agent of the month, and it's not just based on production. It's also based on other factors as well. You know, maybe you were super helpful. Like Take care of a client. Uh, how are you doing that, Heidi? Well, I'm not doing agent of the month, but I like that. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna start that because I was trying to think how can I reward them every month and I don't want to do it just on production because it would be the same person. Yeah. And and we're working on a point system right now. I don't have exactly worked out, but you get X number of points for a phone call. You get X number of points for a conversation. You get X number of points for an appointment, X number of points for a closing. So I think what's great about that is, you know, a new person could be agent of the month. If they just said, you know what, I'm going to call a hundred people a day and you know, and do that because honestly we've got those leads you know we have a pond and people can call out of those you can anybody on my team who's not succeeding it's not because they don't have plenty of people they can call because we have those you know we're going to give them points for doing an open house we're giving points for doing things that are activities that lead to you know the results and i'm not and you guys both know I'm, i'm a results oriented person not an activity oriented person but you're going to have to do an activity to get to a result so i want to focus on that result but i've got to do things to get there so those are some of the things that, that we're looking at so what I, oh, I was just saying one 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 big thing i think is that i give my people my team a lot of freedom you know i you know you're talking about management or leadership I mean, I'm not micromanaging them. Like, what are you doing? What's it? I mean, they do kind of whatever they want to do, but they know what they can and can't do. So, I mean, I don't look at everything they do and approve it. I mean, we're a group combined. Everything has a great outcome. That makes sense? Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. But now that being said, we have to get the outcome for the team member as well, right? Because if we don't, then they, they, they can't afford to stay with us. And that's right. another problem. Now, that being said, 
as we do this, as we look for ways to encourage and to, and to support, I want to avoid participation medals, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a participation trophy kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think, and I, I agree. I know Brian, you're not either. Um, <clears throat> but you know, so we want to make sure that people understand, Hey, look, I want to achieve this. And I want that uh, the recognition that comes along with having achieved that. And in order for me to want that, it actually has to mean something, right? If everybody's getting recognition, then it doesn't mean anything to be the top agent on the team. It doesn't mean anything to be the agent of the month. Or it doesn't, you know, so I've got to make sure there's meaning attached to it. Now, mm-hmm. Michelle uh, Burquist, love you to death. Michelle runs our uh, tier one daily huddles. Uh, she's watching right now and, and participating. And uh, Michelle, you talked about growing a team is hard. For, if, for me, it's harder than lead gen and lead conversion. And by the way, you need to get that other buyer's agent because we want you to be a coach one of these days soon here, Michelle. So you got to get those buyer's agents on your team. We love you. Now, that being said, it is hard, but you got to treat recruiting just like you treat lead generation. If you're serious about growing a team, recruiting has to be a part of your perfect daily schedule. So you guys, I want everybody watching this to remember, and, and I'm hearing a lot or I'm seeing a lot of comments about this. How do you keep that balance of growing your team and still selling homes and making money? Brian talks all the time about you got to remember to sell homes. Right. Right? But you know what I've been learning now with Brian as my coach? And, and Brian, I have I don't think I've, we've had this conversation, but I'm starting to see my role is changing now. I mean, I'm starting my recruiting, but I'm slower. I'm slower to bring people on than I think, you know, some of the other coaching clients or whatever, but I'm a little bit slower. But I already feel my role changing. And at first I was feeling a little guilty that I wasn't, you know, killing it on listing appointments. And then I started thinking, but... My team is coming to me saying, I can't handle all the phone calls. We're getting too many leads. And that's as a result of my role changing. So that's okay. I, I did the same thing. What, and, you know, and by, by the way, for all the people out there who don't know this, I go on listing appointments to this day. Mm-hmm. I don't go Not on. because you have to, but because you choose to. I choose to. And I, and I choose to because I never want to wake up again. And I have woken up and went, mm-hmm. oh, crap, we lost money last month. Um, and, and, you know, it's opportunities and and I'm more selective now, but the truth of the matter is that's not my main role anymore. Three years ago, I was the listing agent on my team and that was my job to get listings so that we could leverage them, get buyers. That that was 100% my job. But the truth of the matter is if I was getting as many listings now or going on as many listings appointments as I did three years ago, I wouldn't have time to run my team. So it is, it is an opportunity and it's a challenge. I mean, it's one of those things that you have to decide and, you know, it's great that I can go and just like you, I, I can find ways to lead generate for the people on my team and a, buyer, a, a listing agent on my team. When I go, Hey, go call this guy. I think he wants to list his house. That's nice because they just called 27 expireds who told them to go to hell. And now they've got somebody who's going to do that. So it makes it worth it to call those 27 expireds because now I know that when a good lead comes in, I'm going to get that opportunity. And, you know, it's not about being lazy and just taking the low hanging fruit. It's just, Hey, every once in a while I get a reward because I've been working my butt off because I'm not going to give that to somebody who isn't working. If you're not working, you're not getting this guy who, you know, I sold a house to three years ago. You know, and there's nothing wrong with, as an example, cherry picking leads, right? As the team leader, I'm going to cherry pick leads once in a while. And I'm going to show by example, especially if I'm in one of those phases where my team is in a rut or whatever, I'm going to show by example, hey, watch me get on the phone, right? I'm going to go set some appointments. Watch how I do it. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to actually do it. 
Uh, and, and then I'm going to say, okay, now watch me go out and list these houses. Let me show you how I'm going to do that. And uh, you know, leading by example, people don't realize how important that really is. Mm-hmm. When people can see that you know what you're doing and that you really are a baller, right? Mm-hmm. You really are going to go out there and you're going to get the deal done. Well, they appreciate that and they want to learn from you. It's like having a coach that's never sold real estate before. Why would you do that? Uh-huh. Like, it makes no sense to me. Why in the world would you ever have, like, if I want to get to the top of Mount Everest, I need a guide that's been to the top of Mount Everest before. It doesn't make any sense to not to have a guy that's never been there before. That's why at Club Wealth, for example, every one of our coaches outproduces the people they coach for that very reason because they know how to get where you want to go. All right, we're we're out of time. I want to be like Brian when I grow up. Exactly. Me too. By the way, I to, I do too. So that being said, we are out of time. I'm going to come back to you guys in just a second and get your final thoughts. I want to get your I want to get your your biggest takeaways from today. Um, I love it. All these people that have been uh, watching and have been participating and all the comments. Thank you guys so much for that. Uh, what I would love to have you guys do. Everybody that's watching right now, everybody that's on with us now, I want you to type in how many people are you going to have on your team, total people on your team in the next 60 days? Just type a number in. I don't care what it is. It could be one if it's just you, right? But how many people are you going to have on your team in the next 60 days? Type that number in. I want to see it. Um, And while you're doing that, I want to remind you guys, for those of you that need help recruiting, reach out to uh, WiseHire. It's, uh, I think, I believe our link is uh, wisehire.com forward slash club wealth. Um, and uh, let me tell you something. Those guys do a great job. They can absolutely help you with your recruiting, whether it's for administrative team members or agents. Uh, they do a great job and they're very affordable. That being said, <coughs> excuse me. Don't forget, if you have not already done so, get registered for Listing Agent Bootcamp in May. This is May 8, 9, and 10. You'll see Heidi there. You'll see Brian there. And you'll see all the Club Wealth coaches and a ton of really, really smart people that are going to be there to help you grow your business. I'm telling you, this is an event unlike any you've attended before. And we've added more mastermind time into this event as well. So make sure that you guys are there for that. The website for that is www.clubwealth.com dot com forward slash hold on forward slash l a b c so go ahead and get signed up for that all right that being said final thoughts we're going to start with heidi then go to brian then me heidi what's your parting thought as we leave today you gotta you can't do it all you can't wear all the hats you're not good at everything so having other people on your team or you know doing your real estate with other people can only benefit you and having a good culture will lead you to success because uh it'll you know you'll have referrals people will come back to you but if you have a lot of uh, turnover you're going to lose those referrals so you got to be good to your people you got to take the high road even if sometimes you know you don't really want to do it sometimes you just have to you got to you have to take the hit and I don't mean financially I just mean you got to do the right thing no matter what and people will appreciate that and uh, they'll want to work for you they want to be with people like that honest I agree. Brian, final takeaway. So my final takeaway is leadership is not about getting the accolades and the rewards. It's about 
the opportunity and the intrinsic stuff that that comes from the ability to see other people succeed, the ability to know that you've influenced people's lives in a positive way. And, you know, that's, that's what makes me go. And I really, you know, I get reminded of that when I talk to people like Heidi, cause she does the same thing. She's about helping the other people on her team. And I love that. And, you know, if you're going to be a team leader, it's not the job position is not team manager, it's team leader. Mm-hmm. So, you know, keep that in mind. And uh, that's, if you love that, do it. And uh, it's fun. Thanks. I love it. All right. So my final takeaway for today is two words. I can sum up what I believe is the, the heart of today in two words. Be humble. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you what, you guys, be humble. Work your tail. Work like it all depends on you. Give everybody else all the credit when things go right. Take responsibility when things don't and appreciate where you came from and who helped you get there. Remember them, honor them, and continue to be humble and you'll have a great long-term career where you'll be able to help a lot of people along the way. So that being said, thank you again, Heidi Hines, Coach Brian Curtis. Appreciate you guys being on today. This has been a great Clubball TV episode. We'll look forward to seeing you guys next time. Remember, inside each one of you, there's a world-class beast just dying to get out. But you got to choose to unleash that beast. So go do something at a world-class level today. Thanks, everybody.